Radio. Welcome to the Unlimited Wealth Podcast, where we help entrepreneurs like you build the wealth and lifestyle you deserve. My name is Nicholas Jensen, bringing you the secrets behind the relationships, strategies, and mindset of the most successful people on the planet. Showing you how to collapse time frames in order to win at business, money, and the adventures of life. You don't know what you don't know, so I'm here to show how the wealthy live, think, and make their money grow. It's time to live the life that you deserve. I'm, I'm here to help. My, my name is Nicholas Jensen. And, and this is Unlimited Wealth. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Unlimited Wealth Podcast. Hey, have you ever found yourself buried in the hustle and grind of being an entrepreneur, but feeling like you're missing the meaning of it all? It's a situation many of us find ourselves in, and it's a situation my guest today found himself in. Corey McCombs is a successful marketing consultant that went through a year of severe burnout. As he discovered what caused it and worked through the side effects of his burnout, he discovered that spending more time on finding meaningful work actually helped him be more productive. He recently has written the book, Productivity is for Robots, and is helping business owners unlearn what we have been taught about productivity and finding the meaningful work each of us has a desire to do. So please help me welcome my guest, Corey McComb. Hey, Corey, thanks for joining me, man. What's up, Nick? Happy hey, to be it's, here. Good to, it's good to talk to you again. I know we had a, a short conversation a, a couple of weeks ago, so uh, it's good to see you, man. Good to see you as well. So, hey, before we get started, I think we're going to have a really good conversation today around uh, finding meaningful work and really trying to figure out how to get out of the, the mundane grind, but really focusing on those things that us as individuals find meaningful, right? And, and how that produces results in our lives. So I'm excited about our conversation. But before we get started, uh, why don't you tell my audience a little bit about who you are, uh, where you come from, and, and kind of what, what got you to this point? Absolutely. So my name is Corey McComb, and I am a writer and marketer. I'm based in San Diego, San Diego, California. And I just wrote my first book. It's called Productivity is for Robots. And um, outside of my writing life, I help companies launch products. So basically, I work with single founders or startups that want to launch a product, and they come to me and I help them with their initial messaging. And then we test things with data, and, and then we uh, launch, launch their dream product. So I kind of have my writing life, which is kind of like a solitude, creative endeavor. And then in my business life, I really get to be more of like a, uh, you know, service somebody else's vision and really help them um, step into their creative dreams. So it's kind of a little bit of a balancing act and they, they really feed each other. They feed each other well. Oh, and I'm going to, I'm going to kind of uh, back you in the corner. Which one do you like better? Oh, the writing. You like the writing better? Yeah. The business is it because is like- it's your own or is it because that's kind of your personality, the creativity piece? I think it's because it's my own and I, well, I like the writing more and I know I like the writing more because when business gets too busy and it stops me from writing, I start to resent the work that I'm doing. Okay. Right. It's like, it's like the dose always makes the poison. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can love what I do and how I make money because, you know, writing is great, but if, but I also really like making money and that can be a very hard avenue writing books. I'm sure a lot of your listen, listeners already know, you know, there's yeah. easier ways to make money and still have a lot of fun and, um, you know, channel into creativity and that's where the business comes in. Um, but I do, part of me believes that if I didn't have that business and it was just up to me to just write books, um, I'd probably miss the business as well. So it, it, it's a good balancing act. 
Nice, nice. So let's talk about the business aspect of it uh, for a second. One of the questions that come to my mind is, as you help business owners launch products, you know, founders or, or smaller companies launch products, what do you see the biggest mistake is that they're making on the front end of launching, you know, those products? That's a, that's a really, really good question. Um, the probably the biggest thing is, is not people rightfully so are very married to their ideas. And what's, what's beautiful about the system I use for testing is I, I run a predictive model where we're able to like build a product page and get a prototype and then start running traffic, you know, through Facebook or Instagram or YouTube ads. And we can kind of create a data narrative that'll show a lot of different things, but it's really comes down to like how excited are people about this? You know, like, can you go from zero to one on a little bit of data? Cause sometimes you'll launch a product and you know, no amount of tweaking or design work or anything like that is going to, is going to help because at its core, people just aren't that excited about it. And I think one of the mistakes that I see a lot of founders make is they spend a little bit too much time, you know, in their head designing a product. They just kind of convince themselves. It's like the sunk cost fallacy, right? It's like once someone dedicates so much brain power and in time into a project, the importance of it rises in their mind. And they think that because they love it, everyone's going to love it. Sure. So that's kind of the hard part of my job when I meet a founder who's very excited about something that they've made. And it's not that it's a bad product or it won't help some people, but it's my job to run through the data and say like, Hey, this is like a green light, a yellow light or a red light. And the, the founders that I work with, that are very open and fluid and they just will trust the data and say, okay, maybe this isn't exactly, maybe the people who I thought would are, we're going to love this actually don't. And we're going to have to find somebody else. Or we're going to have to make some tweaks. And that's where it's really fun to be able to, when you're working with someone who's willing to adjust and pivot and believe the data and tap in their own intuition on like what needs to happen. Um, so yeah the biggest mistake I see people make before they launch a product is being like too married and like too cemented into their original vision yeah. and not accepting the fact that, Hey, this just isn't as exciting as you thought it was. And we're going to need to do something else. Sure. On that same note, we, you know, you talk about sunk costs, right? Oftentimes people are paralyzed to move forward thinking that, Hey, this has got to be the right choice. Cause if it's not the right choice, like I'm going to be buried in this, you know, five, 10, 50, hundred thousand bucks, whatever, whatever the, the product is. Do you also see people paralyzed by that saying, totally. I, if I make this decision, it has to be right. Or, or, you know, we're screwed <laughs> type scenario. <Yeah. laughs> I and, see that probably more than anything. Oh, really? Yeah, that's totally. that's interesting. So, how do on the on the front end, how can business owners be more analytically driven to test a little bit, knowing, hey, I'm going to make this decision, I'm going to go down this road, but rather than sinking a hundred grand into it, I'm going to get enough data at five grand to figure out whether I need to pivot, whether I need to kill it, whether I, or whether it makes sense to move forward. Are you are you able to help? business owners that early in the process to kind of get that type of data? 
Absolutely. You, you actually just really explained it perfectly. Like five grand is probably like the sweet spot. If you have a, well, you need visual assets, right? If you have a product, you're going to want to have a prototype or renders at the very least so that you can have some photos. You need to be able to tell the story, right? You can't get that data back on how exciting this is or how exciting it isn't unless you're able to like, you know, you want to be able to put your best foot forward and really like own your vision. Right. And you don't want to just throw it out there and, and hope that it flies. But there is that line where going back to what you're saying, it doesn't really need to be perfect. You know, I always tell my clients, we're really in the beginning, we only need to answer three questions. It's it or let people know it's, you know, what are you, why are you, and why now? That's really all you need to tell people about a product. And if you can answer those three questions in an ad or on a landing page, you're going to get that data back. Okay. And you're going to see like how, how good is that? So for people that don't want to sink a hundred thousand dollars into a, like a traditional product launch, it, it, it does make a lot of sense to, especially, you know, in 2020, everyone has access to Facebook ads or YouTube right. ads or anything right. like that. Um, because your friends won't tell you always, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, sometimes, sometimes friends are the worst people to ask because it's awesome. They man. won't tell you the truth. Right. 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 <laughs> So you want to be able to spend a good amount of like, like, like two to $4,000 on ads and to just see what's happening. Just, just tell them what is this product? Why do they need it? Why do they need it right now? And, and the data will tell you. And what's really cool is that as you go, you will discover things and the money isn't just, you know, it's always disappointing when someone spends like a year thinking about something and then five grand testing and it doesn't work. Right. But along the way, what happens more than, more than anything is you're going to, f- you're, you're paying for information that you would not have gotten any other way. You're, you're paying to find out what audiences are going to resonate the most with this, what visual assets, um, testing headlines, building, building a data source, building an email list. Um, so it's the testing journey itself. You can, you can mitigate risk by setting up experiments and answering questions along the way that are going to help you in the future as well. So it's really valuable. And it's a yeah, lot of fun. Yeah, that, that's cool. And I think that's kind of, that's applicable across many aspects of life, right? Like you're going to pay for it one way or the other. So one thing that we deal with a lot with individuals over here is, is investments right? You're going to, you're going to pay for that investment one way or the other. Either you're going to pay for an expert to help you make good decisions, or you're going to pay not that expert, but you're going to pay in failures because you're just trying to, to learn and, and get your feet underneath you. And you just don't know what you don't know, right? So when it comes from a, a marketing perspective, is oftentimes we just don't know what we don't know because we don't know how the market's going to react and being able to pay in little increments to find, to kind of peel back that onion and try to reveal what it is that the market's wanting is, is super valuable rather than, you know, obviously just don't, you know, going all in because aunt Susie said, man, that is phenomenal. And I would buy it from you. <laughs> right. Right. You know, on the flip side though, you, you, yeah, you, you want to test and you need to like, you know, reality on reality's terms, right? Yeah. But I do think that there's something very important about, especially with founders, 
creating something or writers um, or musicians, you, you need to also tap into your own creative intuition and you need to be aligned with your original vision, you know, because sometimes data will tell you, Oh, look at this, look at that. Like you could do this instead, this, and maybe it would like make more money in the short term. But if you start deviating away from that original, I I'm a big believer that when somebody makes something that they have this vision of what it can be. And I think that it's very important for founders and their products to stay in alignment for the long term. Whereas if you get some piece of data that might take you off track to make something else, if you certainly fall out of alignment with what kind of made you start in the first place, that's where you're going to start losing some of the passion and some of the meaning and the drive to like really carry on and make it work. That that actually brings up a good point. When you look at at work, because oftentimes it's easy to chase squirrels, right? Like shiny objects. Totally. Um, there's so many possibilities out there, so many opportunities out there. But when it comes to individuals, like being able to find meaning in their work and being able to align that with whatever product or service they're offering, from your perspective, like what what do you think the best way to do that is? Well, first... I think that for, for me, and I've spent a lot of time chasing shiny objects, and I know for me, what, what, what it comes down to isn't so much not really knowing what I actually want to do. It, it's kind of like a fear-based thing where, I, where maybe it's I'm afraid of failure or um, you know, busyness. I think a lot of people use busyness as an excuse to kind of keep them in their comfort zone, right? we build a moat of tasks and busy work and these shiny objects or chasing squirrels, whatever it is, some of this like low hanging fruit. And especially in our society, in our society where if you've got that entrepreneurial spirit, it's really easy to fall into this notion that you need to be constantly capitalizing on your time, constantly capitalizing on your success, optimizing to the next level scaling. It's really easy to fall into that. And while all those things are great, I think that a lot of people in an effort to reach those things, they start chasing those squirrels, right? They, they might, they probably know. I mean, we can talk about how to really discover it if they don't know, but I think a lot of people, if you peel the layers back and you get rid of the busy work and the things that are standing like, Oh, if I had time one day, I'll do that. You know, we, we really build moats around the meaningful work that we want to do with some of these, uh, this low hanging fruit and squirrels. So, I think that's the first step is just kind of realizing and that movement is not always meaning. And I know that you might feel like you need to be, you know, grinding and hustling and getting after it. But what you, what I also need is to really just slow down, not do anything and just get realigned with, with the meaningful work that's actually calling out. Expound on that a little bit more. Like you said, movement doesn't always how did you phrase that movement doesn't doesn't always equal meaning doesn't always equal meaning but let me ask you this does movement equal progression well it equals progression in the sense that you're doing something and i think that it is important you know you need to be moving to find you know um just to give you another little turn of phrase like inspiration follows action right it's not the other right. way around like you're not going to just be sitting around doing nothing, waiting for 
you know, rain, like rainfall of inspiration to fall. I'm like, Oh, here's my passion. And here's my purpose. Like you, you should be doing something to yeah. kind of uncover that, that meaningful work. Um, but I think that there's a real danger in going too hard into it. I mean, I'm a good example. Like I have a successful freelance marketing business. And if I was just to keep leaning into that, then the writing dream would like would, would, would slowly like shrivel up and die. And I am progressing in this other area. But when you don't, when you're not really doing that work that you know you should be doing, like the work that you would be doing, even if you knew nobody else cared, and even if you were going to fail, and you just leaned into the only the thing that was like going well, I think that you kind of steal something from yourself along the way, and it's going to like catch up with you later and make you resent the the, prog- the quote unquote progression or the things that you're really being like productive with. So, do you see that? What's the best way for individuals? Because it's this this idea of you know chasing the next goal, chasing, you know, the next hurdle and kind of the, the golden ticket or the nugget that, that we would all love to have is, is our meaning, the meaningful things in our lives mm-hmm. are aligned with the things in our lives that move our business forward. Like if those two things are exactly aligned and it moving in the same direction, like that's the Holy grail, right? But as you talked about, you've got your writing on one end, which is kind of the meaning that, that you are, that's really meaningful to you and kind of inspires you. And then you've got your business on the other end. And although that there's some, there's some symmetry between the two, they're still kind of two separate things, right? That, that, That you focus on. So how do you, or what do you think the best way is to say, Hey, I've got this meaningful thing, whatever it is, and I obviously need to make money and and I want to build a business or whatever. How do you kind of move those two things in alignment to where, dude, that's the holy grail of like, man, you've got the, the cat by the tail. Totally. Well, I think that they are in alignment, like in the life itself. Um, They don't always need to be forced like into total alignment with each other where okay. I think people underestimate the energy that you get from doing something that you love, even if it's not connected to your work, that will carry over into your work. Like I know that when, if I wake up and I'm able to write for like two hours and just kind of get that monkey off my back, the work that I'm going to do in my business is going to be, I'm going to have so much more energy. I'm going to have be so much more like hyped up to like help and be in service to the other people's, um, my clients' visions, you know? That's an, that's an interesting concept. So you're saying if you, even if they don't specifically align and are the, are, are the same thing or one in the same, if you'll spend time focusing on the things that are meaningful to you, you're saying that that naturally carries over to, um, other things in your life that that's your perspective. That's my perspective. And I think that there's you know, guilt might not be the right word, but it's the first word that comes to mind where, and it can be as as simple as, you know, not going to the gym for a few days because you were too wrapped up in like business meetings and things like that. It's like, maybe the business went well, there's going to be something in the back of your head. You're like, man, like I really wish I'd been moving my body and going to the gym and progressing in this other thing. 
And I think that everybody does have outside of their work, you know, maybe, you know, they're very lucky where every move they make in their business is completely in alignment with, with their passion and their purpose. But I think more often than not, people will have a very successful business in life, but there's something else in their life that does give them energy. It yeah. does give them meaning and it, and it doesn't even have to be an outcome dependent endeavor just by the sake of doing it. Um, you know, again, it just feeds that purpose and meaning so that when you go do these other things, you're not feeling like I'm just on this hamster wheel, just trying to make money and grow a business and feeling unfulfilled in other areas. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So tell me, um, let, let's kind of reference your book a little bit, right? Your book is, is called Productivity is for Robots. Tell us a little bit about what brought that book about. I mean, I know that you like writing, but why this specific book? What's it about? What does it help people do? Yeah, absolutely. So the book is about unlearning the productivity dogma that leads to stress and overwhelm. And it's about trying to realign with human nature to kind of avoid the, um, as I call it, the robotic output race of like hustle and grind culture. Uh-huh. You know, it, it's kind of built on this premise of, you know, some people are terrified of artificial intelligence, you know, becoming more human-like, but at the same time, you know, humans seem to take a step to meet technology halfway where we're become obsessed with like optimization, scaling, productivity, yeah. trying to just squeeze out the last drop of focus and just come kind of like, Oh, he's a machine, you know, like that guy's a machine. <laughs> and, so, then he's, and then he's burnt out and on drugs 10 years later because he can't handle it. Right. And, and, you know, it, it, it's, it's part memoir because I went through a year of, of severe burnout and um, to the point where I was developing aches and pains in my body and, you know, waking up just feeling like a, tidal wave of stress was just shaking me out of bed like every day. Was and that from, was that from the, the task that you had to get done? Was it from the stress of work? Like, do you, do you know kind of the root cause of why you were feeling that way? Yeah, totally. You know, at the time I thought that it was just too many tasks, too many meetings, um, you know, too much work, not enough time, kind of like the normal things that you would try and like point your finger at. But in hindsight, I could have really managed everything that I was doing with better systems, but what really was I was struggling with was that I was driven by this, you know, gnawing and this insidious feeling that I was never doing enough. Yeah. Like I, I just, I like, I'd be hanging out with friends and I'd feel guilty for not doing something else, like not being productive, so to speak. And, you know, the book's not like a rally call against productivity. You know, it's really about leaning into your human nature you know, I call it like clearing the static off the line and then um, realizing that the, the work that's actually worth doing and trying to, and, and just trying to get away from that, like overly optimization. So what's the best way to do that? What's the best way to get, to get away from that? Cause that's something that I, I mean, I like if I pulled up my calendar for you right now, it would be booked from five o'clock in the morning to five or six o'clock at night. At every half hour block, there's something on it, right? Of of things that I got to get, I need to get done. Starting from the gym, all the way down to you know chasing my boy to karate or my daughter to gymnastics or whatever the case may be. But 
within that, when I, when I reflect on my calendar, there's also time in there for me and the things that, that I want to do. I don't specifically like in the evenings, I don't carve out like, Hey, I'm going to be focused on, you know, reading this book in the evening. Like I try to sit down in the evening and, and, and read a book that, I, that I'm interested in. But in the morning, you know, it starts at five. I get up at 4.45. So my calendar starts at five, but I don't actually start like work, work until probably nine. And all that other stuff is just stuff that I, you know, that I want to do, which I enjoy and is helpful. But also I wonder if I could be less, what's the word without sounding like a slacker, if I can be less productive during the day and, and try to focus more on more meaningful things. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And I think it all comes down to how it's making you feel personally. Okay. Right? I think that there's nothing wrong with having a calendar that is, um, that is blocked off if you're taking some time for yourself. And, you know, in the book, I go through three different phases where the first section is about reconnection. So that's, so if, if you're feeling burnt out, if you're someone listening and you also have your calendar back book to the brim and, and you're starting to feel maybe like there's no end inside and you're, you're feeling a little burnt out or overwhelmed, that reconnection piece, um, I go through a few different exercises in the book, which is just like cultivating a sense of silence and stillness, um, journaling, really getting clear on the stories and the program that you have in your mind. You know, for for me going through burnout, I was holding on to a lot of like expectations and definitions and stories I was playing in my head that really just didn't even belong to me. I just kind of picked them up along the way that were, you know, like I'm not doing enough. I'm not enough. I I should be further along. So it's really like, I, I think that the first step is like personal examination and being honest with yourself about like, how are you feeling? You know, there's this notion that we're all working towards like freedom where the ends will justify the means, right? It's like hustle now, grind now so you can like relax later. Yeah. Um, But that for me can lead to that feeling of, you know, being spread thin by options and FOMO and and stuff like that, where, you know, productivity, it, it shouldn't lead just to eventual freedom. Like, it should lead to like a higher, like more courage, creativity, like connection with other human beings. Like anytime that you are feeling inspired or just laughing or hanging out with your kids, like that's productivity, like you're being productive. And I think it just starts with like shifting that definition where if you have like big blocks open in your calendar and that stresses you out, I think that should be like a good signal to your brain where it's like, well, maybe that's really good that you just have that time to just relax and um, start developing, you know, our brains, Nick, they, they crave stories, right? right? And when we stay super locked in on tax on task execution, like day after day, we don't give our brains that downtime so they can kind of create narratives around the things that we're doing. So if you're just executing over and over again, you don't have any like breaks for your brain to kind of catch up to your own, like, dreams and, and desires, you, you won't have that meaning. And then you're, that's what leads to just feeling like you're on that hamster wheel. So I think that if you're scheduling time for yourself to sit 
journal, spend time with other humans, like human connection is super important. Um, identify some of the stories that you might be telling yourself. You know, I think that that can um, really unlock a lot of a lot of the blind spots that people develop um, in their work life balance. What do you think about, you know, you've talked about journaling and, and uh, you know, spending time in silence and things like that. For me, I've noticed like nature is, is super helpful. It, for, you know, like, and I don't know if it's the vitamin D, like I don't really know what it is, but if stuff, if I get super stressed out, a walk in the mountains with trees, for some reason, like just puts a whole new a whole new perspective on things. And I notice when I come back to the office, I, I tend to be, you know, not only more productive, but I'm in a better mood. So when you're working with individuals and when you kind of wrote this book, did you do any research on, on that as far as that helping you reconnect? Yeah, there's actually a big chapter on nature in the book. And it's one of my favorite chapters. You know, when, when, nature is there to remind us that we are part of something bigger, right? It's like, it's really easy to, um, there's a line in the book that's by a, it's a, it's a Lou Taos who wrote the art of war. He's got a quote in the book that says like, nature does not hurry. Nature does not hurry yet. Everything is accomplished, which, which I love. (laughs) That's interesting. I read that quote. It's probably been three weeks ago and I was just like, He's a hundred percent right. Mm-hmm. A seed's planted. It eventually grows. It eventually gets harvest. There's no like rush as to, you know, when this happens, same thing with trees. Like totally. it's an interest. Like if you sit down and you think about it, it's an interesting concept. And now, and now take that principle and apply that to human productivity or your business and ask yourself, Hey, just plant the right seeds, focus on the right activity and things like things will develop in their own time. Right. Versus I'm planting a seed and I want to harvest it tomorrow. Right. Which I think is, is the trap that a lot of us get into, which causes a lot of this hyper productivity mentality, if you will. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And I think that, I mean, nature is just, it's almost a magic bullet. I mean, especially for me, you know, like, because I think that the hustle and grind of the modern world and work, really, whatever you're doing, it can really shrink your point of view. It can make you feel like, like nothing exists outside the bounds of your own, you know, I'll I'll call it ego. And I don't mean ego in a negative way, just, it, it just shrinks your point of view of anything that's not happening in your general you know, environment and you go out in nature and you realize that you're part of something bigger and it just broadens that horizon. And it's like, it's really ironic that the the best way to reconnect with yourself is by remembering that you're connected to everything. And when you're standing on a mountain peak or you're out there in the forest, looking up at trees, it's just like, this is where we came from. And you're just reminded that, that you are, you're part of something bigger. And, and I think that it really can broaden your perspective and, and ground you and remind you that you're a human being and uh, slow down and appreciate. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that's a trap that we all fall into, fall into is having this myopic view, right? You, yeah. you can't see the forest for the trees because you're, <laughs> you're kind of buried and surrounded by trees. So you're like, well, you know, what's going on? So we do get this, you know, kind of this huge myopic view of life and our circumstances and, and, and things like that. Well, cool, man. What, uh, what advice would you give to entrepreneurs out there that are, you know, having successful businesses, building their businesses, maybe feeling a little bit overwhelmed slash stressed out, less focus on quote unquote, the meaningful things in their life or the, or the meaningful work that maybe in the back of their head, they know they need to be focusing on. What, uh, what advice would you give them? Well, I think the, the biggest piece of advice in the book, if I had to sum it up is, you know, stop competing with robots, <laughs> you know, you already have technology that can work a hundred hours. You know, what we need are humans to really like dig into their, their creativity and to have that personal connection. I mean, you know, technology can do a lot, but it can't replicate empathy or courage or imagination. And I think it's going to be, you know, as technology grows and develops, it's going to be up to humans to really lean into the human nature so that it, it, it doesn't rust over. Um, I think, I think the, the takeaway is to identify the things that give you energy and identify the things that drain you. And it's not to say to not do those things that drain you because look, we all have businesses to run. Everyone, you've got to go to the grocery store and stand in line. Yeah. Like you got to do the things, right? It's, it's part of human life as well. And stress is not always a bad thing, right? Um, but it becomes a bad thing. If you lean, if if you ignore the fact that you know that there's something that gives you energy, whether it's like painting a picture, going for a run, going to the gym, writing a book, if you ignore those things, then everything else that you do is going to be like in black and white, you know. And I would just encourage people to really identify the things that give them energy and to try and lean into them as much as possible. If people want to connect with you. If they want to uh, buy your book, because this book, when we launch this podcast, this book will be out the next day. So it's coming out November 17th, uh, Productivity is for Robots. If people want to connect with you, how do they do that? Yeah, they can connect with me um, you know, through my website, coreymacomb.com. You just send me an email. Um, I, re I reply to every email. So anybody that has any questions or just wants to say hello. I also have a weekly newsletter. Um, called the temperature check where I just send out interesting links about being um, a creative and thoughtful human that most people um, can enjoy. And yeah, the book is, you know, I think it's the best thing that I've ever done. I'm really proud of it. Really excited to see it live up on Amazon and that's where it's going to be. So, you know, for the first week of launch, it's going to be the paperback and the Kindle will be set at a special price because I just want to get as many people to read it as possible. Oh man, I'll put the links to your website in the, in the show notes. And then that way, if individuals want to connect with you, they can do that that way. And then, uh, we will, we'll add the link to your book once it, once it comes out. So perfect. again, Corey, uh, thanks for, thanks for joining us. Uh, this has been awesome and listeners. Thanks. Thanks so much for spending some time with us as always be wealthy and create the, the life that, uh, that you deserve. Have a great week. See ya. Hey, real quick. Are you a six or seven figure entrepreneur who is making great money, but like so many other unwealthy successes, you're not seeing your wealth grow? If so, I can help. 
head over to nicholascjensen.com forward slash wealth and take my free wealth building assessment now. Learn how to become a strategic investor and start building the wealth you and your family deserve. Again, that's Nicholas, the letter C, Jensen.com forward slash wealth. We'll see you next time on Unlimited Wealth.